Bible, we've been in the book of Psalms, and this morning will be the last. Uh, we will end uh, the theme for last year this morning, and tonight we'll begin the theme for the new year. I hope that you've enjoyed and profited by our studies in the book of Psalms, Psalm 146. As soon as you find your place, please join me by standing. Let me encourage you to remember many of our folks in prayer. Of course, we mentioned Brother Phil and surgery tomorrow. It's a blessing to see Mrs. Patrick back. I don't want you to forget her and Brother Jim. Certainly, Brother Kyle mentioned Brother Jim and some others that have been under weather. Brother Kevin Van Dyne is such a blessing. You continue to pray. There's some procedures that need to be done there. Uh, I know that some of these folks that I'm about to mention, in one case, one, uh, Miss Betty Moore is a member. And Betty's just a faithful, sweet, godly person, sits right where Linda sits, usually right in this general area in front of Tom and Marion. And we found out Mary, uh, Betty's been gone for some time. The doctors put her on the wrong medication, and it just about took her life. Uh, and praise the Lord, they got, they got it uh, under control, but she's coming out of some things. And then Betty brought or invited some friends that were real faithful for a good while, the Walls. And Jan Wall is going through her own physical struggles. I want you to pray for Betty and uh, pray for the Walls, if you would please, that we would see them soon again. Psalm 146, I'll begin reading verse number 1. Please join me in every other verse, so we close together verse 10. Psalm 146, 1. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth, in the very day his thoughts perish. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven, the sea, and all that is therein, which keepeth truth forever, which executeth judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry. The Lord looseth the prisoners. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord preserveth the strangers. He relieveth the fatherless and the widow. But the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. The Lord shall reign forever. Even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. We're going to end this morning out of this text. And there is one theme in this text. And we're going to preach on it very simply this morning. He is worthy. He is worthy. Would you bow with us to, and we'll pray together. Father, help us this morning. I thank you. May all around this room this morning are many answers to prayer. And we praise you and thank you for that. I know that you use doctors and nurses and medical profession and certainly use medicines. But we thank you that only you give healing and you've done that. And I thank you for those that we've prayed for that you've returned to us. We do ask you, Father, to work in our midst this morning. We want to forget our troubles and our trials. Everybody come, came this morning with something on their heart. And I pray for the next 25 or 30 minutes, we will turn away from those things. And through your spirit, we'll be guided to your word to help us to understand that you alone are worthy to be praised. And would you receive that praise from our lips and our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Yeah. <laughs> 
to me that leads through ways I cannot see while going through this world of woe. His hand still leads me as I go. I'm trusting to the unseen hand that guides me through this weary land. And some sweet day I'll reach that strand still guided by the unseen hand. His hand has led shadows drear and while it leads I have no fear I know it will lead me to that home where sin nor sorrows there can come I'm trusting to the unseen hand that guides me through this weary land and some sweet day I'll reach that strand still guided by the unseen hand I long to see my Savior's face and sing the story Trusting to the unseen hand that guides me through this weary land. And some sweet day I'll reach that strand, still guided by the unseen hand. And some sweet day. That strand still guided by the unseen Psalms, and basically what that meant was, in a time of great praise and adoration to God, these psalms were used and sung. I want you to notice how we can identify a Halil psalm. If you look in verse uh, chapter 146, 147, 148, 149, and 150, each of these psalms begin and end the same way. Look at how they begin. What's it say? Praise ye the Lord. Halil means hallelujah. 
And so these are, if you hear sometimes a pastor or teacher or preacher talking about the Hallelujah Psalms, you'll know where to turn. They begin in Psalm 146. We think that possibly these Psalms were written when the children of Israel were taken out of captivity and brought back into Canaan's land under the Edict of Cyrus. So they returned to that land, but you remember uh, in Nehemiah what that land looked like. The gates were, were destroyed and the city was burned and the, uh, the temple was looted and it was just a horrible scene to return to and yet they were praising the Lord that they got to go home again. These people were praising the Lord because all that He had done for them. Now, I want to set the tone and toner, uh, tone for the service this morning. You, just like the children of Israel, myself, just like the children of Israel, have come today, this morning, to this place and this hour with burdens on your heart. There are some things as you look at tomorrow and the next week and the next month and the next year that burden you. We all have burdens. But this morning for about a half an hour, I want to take our eyes off of those burdens and I want us to understand that He is worthy to be praised no matter what is going on in our lives. I want us to remind us this morning that not only here some 2,000 years ago, but this morning in 2018, He is worthy to be praised. And why should we praise Him? In verse number 1 and 2, let's break this down. There's first the challenge to praise. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. There's a call here to praise the Lord. The psalmist calls upon his soul to praise the Lord. There are many times in your life and mine that my body does not feel like praising the Lord. Do you ever get there? You ever feel like I don't feel like praising I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like, like reading the Word. I don't feel like going to church. I was talking to a precious lady in our church yesterday by phone. And she said, sometimes I just get down. And I just don't want to be in church. I don't want to be around people. I just want to I wanna sit at home. I don't want to shake hands and see the smiles on the faces. I just want to. And I, say, I said to her, I said, do you ever realize that even sometimes pastors that way? I don't want to scare you. But that you are a lovely, lovely group of people. But sometimes I don't want to be here. But do you know what David is saying? Praise him anyway during those times. And there's, first of all, a commitment to praise. The writer goes on to tell us that his praise will know no boundaries. There's an earthly commitment to praise in verse number one. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. As long as breath fills his lungs, David says here, I'm going to praise God. I think about this. And so he is saying, no matter what happens to me, as long as there's breath in my lungs, I'm going to praise him. I ask you this, and I know we've had some folks that have gone through some really bad trials. This wasn't a good week for you, Brother Jim. Wasn't a good week. I looked at Mike and Michelle, and we've missed them for a while, and don't know, but Mike and Michelle... Good to have you back. Brother Dale is back here with us today, and Brother Dale's been gone, and we just had to move. And I'm going to say this to you. No matter what you and I have faced or are going to face, our souls, as long as we have breath in us, should praise the Lord. And so he's looked at this in an earthly commitment to praise. If you're saved, disease and age and pain and suffering, sorrow and even death can never touch the reason we should praise him. 
Uh, so you think about that. Look at Philippians. Leave a marker there, Psalm. Look at Philippians chapter 4. All throughout the Bible, we are called to praise the Lord. In Philippians chapter number 4, and look at verse number 6. Be careful for nothing. That word means anxious, worried, bothered. I ask you this this morning. Are you worried about anything? Are you bothered about something? It's human. But he said, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, watch this, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Come to him in praise. There's an earthly commitment to praise. There's an eternal commitment. How long does this psalmist says, I'm going to praise the Lord? Look at verse 2. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praise unto my God while I have any being. Now stay with me. For a Christian, are you an eternal being? To be absent from the body is to be? Will you have being in heaven? Will we have being? So David in verse number one says, in this side of heaven, I will continually praise him. As long as there's breath in my lungs, I'll praise him. But then I'm going to praise him as long as I have being. And when we draw our last breath here, we will find an eternal home either in heaven with God for all of eternity or in a place called hell that was created for the devil and his angels. But every one of us will go one of the two places. And you think about this, I wish it wasn't true. And sometimes I know that many preachers say, Preacher, you shouldn't preach and teach on hell. But the truth of the matter is there is a hell. And the truth of the matter is that hell today is populated by people, maybe some of that we didn't witness to, and some of our neighbors and our friends and, and others that we should have given the gospel to, and we didn't. And today they're in hell. In hell will they have been? Look at Luke 16, and he'll tell you that the rich man died. He didn't go to hell because he was rich. He went to hell for the reason that anybody goes to hell. He rejects Jesus Christ as Savior. Right. Only reason a person goes to hell. We'll have been in heaven. We'll have been in hell. And watch it. So David says here, the psalmist says, as long as I have been, I'm going to praise the Lord when we exchange this earthly a body for the heavenly. We stand before him in that glorified body. For all of eternity we will praise him. I want to show you then the caution in praise. There's a caution here. Look at verse number three. Put not your trust in pastors. Princes. You can put anybody there you want. Presidents. Lawyers. Doctors. Friends, anybody who is human, don't put your trust in them. Don't raise your hand. But I wonder if there's anybody here this morning, a pastor let you down. I don't want to let you down. I don't. I may not measure up to what you think a pastor ought to be, but I don't want to let you down. I don't want you to find something in the dark secrets of Pastor Roger's life that if it comes to light, that it will discourage you and you'll no longer be able to be a part of this membership. I don't ever want to let you down. But the truth of the matter is far too many people have put their trust in a pastor, and when a pastor let them down, they stop going to church altogether. Don't put your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. Be careful with this. 
be careful. I looked at my wife and I some years ago, not what the church voted to do a year or so ago, but just a little bit. We didn't have a lot, but we put a little bit of money into a retirement account. It really wasn't much. Did you get your 401k statement recently? Is it doing good? Whoa. I looked at that one yesterday and I thought, whoa. It's still not a lot. But for four or five years, it just one year it lost. And in one year, it made just about two and a half, three percent. One year it made four. We found out yesterday, at least ours, made 33%. Whoa. Oh, good. I'm going to trust the president. Be careful. Pray for the president. You know, I'm going to tell you this. I didn't pray. I, I didn't. This is just me. I'm going to tell you. I didn't vote for our, for our former president, but I prayed for him. I prayed for him, and I prayed for his wife. I prayed for their kids. And I prayed that no harm would come to him. And I prayed that he wasn't a Christian, that God would draw him to Christ and save him. I'm going to say this, but don't do that. Sometimes we put our, our trust where it shouldn't be. And I'm going to say this to you, our praise, and the only one that is worthy of our praise is the Savior himself. The caution man is a power. Why should we not praise man? He is a powerless creature. The psalmist cautions us against making any man the object of our praise. How many of you have a really good doctor? You'd like to praise your doctor. That's good. That's good. But you know as good as that doctor is, there's going to come a time that that doctor or the best, best doctor in the world is going to come to your side and say, there's nothing I can do. We're powerless. And so we shouldn't praise men because men are powerless creatures. The only one who's worthy of our praise is the Lord himself. He's the only one who can redeem us from our sins and change us in our eternal destiny. And then man is a passing creature. The people we put our praise and our trust in, men, they pass off the scene. Faithful pastors, faithful presidents, faithful doctors. I want to show you here the cause of our praise. You say, preacher, tell me why I should praise the Lord. Let's let the psalm do that. Look at verse number 6. Which made heavens and earth, the sea and all that is in. Let me say this to you in case we have some here. You came through the government school system and you were taught that you evolved. That's a lie. That's a lie. Evolution should not be taught, but anything as a theory. Truth of the matter is, you were created. And all that we see was created by God. And Genesis 1 and 2 tells us how God created. But we worship and serve and we say our Savior is worthy. Why? He's the creator of all. We had a gender reveal. We found out, Brother Mrs. Rogers, the little baby that they're going to have as a little boy. They chose to do it a little different fashion than I've ever seen before. Brother Vernon, you'd probably like that. They took some brother, Alan, I remember when you and I did this, or your family and I, they have this chemical called Tannerite, and when you shoot it with a high-powered rifle, it blows up. I mean, it blows up. So brother Tyrell and Sarah helped with this and got it all ready, and when Rachel went to the doctor, that envelope was 
given to Tyrell and Sarah, and they knew the sex of the baby. We didn't even know. Josh and Rachel didn't know. Went out on a gun range and, and put the right powder, blue or pink, in that box and blew it to smithereens. Right? I told them, and some of you young couples, if you have a child, and you, yeah, Brie, this will work for you when you get married and have children. I've got a better way to do it. Not near as expensive, and I told them about this. You can, you can boil a dozen eggs. Well, bo boil 11 and make half of them blue and half of them pink. Then mom and daddy stand there, and one grabs an egg and smashes it on their head. <laughs> so if it's a pink egg and it's hard-boiled, well, it's not a girl, so the daddy will grab an egg and smash it on his head, and then one of them's going to get the unboiled egg. That's a better way, don't you think? <laughs> but he wouldn't do it. You think about this. You think about the greatness of our God, that, uh, that God. Created. I was talking to Rachel as we traveled up there, and, and just like I said, you know what? You're kind of like my wife. You came here from California. California is all you knew. You had oceans. We have mountains. All right? And then Rachel, we had both. I don't know if what you can call in California a mountain or not, but anyway, you think about that, and you think about when you look at those mountains and you see the snow-capped mountains or you go out to California, you see that Pacific Ocean, and you go to the beach. Can you look to heaven and say, my God made it all? And he ought to be praised, and he's worthy to be praised because he's the creator of heaven and earth, the greatness of his power. You think about this, the greatness of his promises. Look at verse number 6 again. Which hath made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in, which keepeth truth forever. How many of you in this room, a dear friend, a mom, a dad, a pastor, somebody broke their promise to you, and you still remember it to this day? Can I say this to you? God will never break one of his promises to you. Now watch this. Think about the promises of God. Did he promise to feed us? Huh? A Christian should not have all they want. But a Christian should have all they need. Did God promise to feed us? Can anybody give me a verse? Matthew 5. You think about that. Watch this. The sparrow does what? They don't gather into barns, do they? Matthew 5 tells us. How much more will your heavenly Father know what you have need of and give to you? He's promised to feed you. Did he promise to clothe you? Huh? Remember he said this? He said, remember the lily of the field? They toil not, neither do they spin. And your heavenly Father clothed them. And how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? So when it comes to a time, and my wife and I have had a few of those times, there was no food and no money to buy food. God made a promise to feed us. My wife and I had dear friends in Louisiana, and he had a very good job. Not wealthy, but he made a lot of money. But he had two very sick children. Both of them were born with severe, severe heart problems. And they dressed very plain and they shopped very, very moderately. And, and I remember he was my soul winning partner. Brother Riles, why don't you guys drive a nicer car and have nicer clothes? And he said, he said, Brother Rogers, you know what it costs for our two children? He said, sometimes there's not money to, for the money to go around. 
And he, I had never heard this said before. He said, you know what my wife and I do? He said, when there's not enough money to buy food, I cut her grocery budget. I'm not asking, telling any of you men to do this. I don't want to start a fight. But he said this, and he said, there's times when my wife doesn't get grocery money. Because God didn't, God didn't promise to pay my car payment. He didn't promise to pay my house payment, but he promised to feed me. And he said, Brother Rogers, you know those times when my wife and I, we had too much on medical bills, and we took all and said, Trinidad, I'm sorry, we don't have any money to eat. You know when my wife and I got down on our knees and prayed and asked God to feed us, you know God fed us. Sometimes people in the church and say, Brother Miss Ross, why don't you come over to our house? He's amazed that being the only meal we had for the day, but God fed us. And God met our needs. We watch as the greatness of our God. We think about the greatness of his power and the greatness of his promise. Every promise from his putting food on the table and clothes on your back to his saving you and keeping you saved, God will keep his promises. John 10 says this, my sheep hear my voice and they know me and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life. Now watch this. This is not a promise from Rocky Mountain Baptist Church, but finish the verse, verse 20, and they shall Never perish. Huh? Do you believe that is a promise of God? If you ever were saved, will you always be saved? That is a promise of God. Hold on to that promise. F.B. Meyer said this, If any promise of God should fail, the heavens would clothe themselves in sackcloth. The sun, the moon, and the stars would reel from their courses. The universe would rock and a hollow wind would moan through, through a ruined creation. The awful fact that God can lie. But God can't lie. He keeps his promises. Then we praise him for the grace of God. Just look at this, if you would, in this text. Look at verse 7 through 9. Which executeth judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry. The Lord loseth the prisoners. Looseth. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord preserveth the strangers. He relieveth the fatherless and widow. But the way of the wicked, he turneth upside down. Let, let me show you in this, and, and watch this. I want you to follow me, okay? You've got to have a part in this service. This is the most simple message you'll ever hear. But as soon as we tell you in these verses what they say, I want us together in one voice to end with this phrase, he's worthy. Let's get practiced up. Ready? Say it with me. He is worthy. That's not very good, all right? <laughs> Let's say it again. He is worthy. Now, what is he worthy? Watch this. He fights for the helpless. Look at this, if you would. Look at Psalm 40. Leave a marker there. Turn to Psalm 40. Psalm 40. Does our Lord fight for the helpless? In Psalm 40, and look at verse number 1 through 3. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up out also out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, and even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear, and shall trust in the Lord. We praise him this morning because he fights for the helpless. And maybe you're here, and a doctor can't help you, and a pastor can't help you, and a friend can't help you, and it kind of seems helpless and hopeless. Aren't you glad we can say this morning and understand that he is worthy to be praised because he fights for the helpless. Look at this next one. Not only that, but he feeds the hungry. Say it together. He is worthy. He feeds the hungry. 
I know what this is like. And I don't look back, praise the Lord, I thank God and want to thank you as a faithful church for taking care of the needs of the pastoral staff and family. We're well taken care of, and I praise you for that. But there were times when I was fully employed, full-time in the Christian work, and nobody in the church knew it. But when we left and went home, there was nothing to eat. I think one of those times we we did have popcorn and peanut butter. You can make a meal out of popcorn and peanut butter. You pop that popcorn and take the peanut butter and dip it in that, uh, take the popcorn and dip it in the peanut butter. Huh? Sometimes you go home and just have a bowl of beans. How many could just do a bowl of beans? I worked for a millionaire. How many of you ever did this? If you still do this today, it would drive me bananas. This millionaire, you remember first cafeteria? I worked for him. And he'd take us, and I was a teenager, and he'd work you hard. And he'd go through, we'd always stop at first cafeteria. And I love first cafeteria then because you can even say, say, son, get everything you want. I said, you mean it, Mr. Hutchins? Everything you want. You remember what furs always put first? The dessert. The dessert. All right? Not last, but first. Every furs I was in. This man was a multimillionaire, and you know, I my trade be full. He'd always get this. Remember those little loaves of bread? He'd get two little loaves of bread and two half pints of milk. A millionaire. Break that bread up. Pour the milk over. Nobody here still does that today, do you? Sonny, you do? Brother Doyle, you do? Really? That just, I'm thinking, that, I said, you know what? You could buy a steak if you want. No, I just bread milk's all I want. Sometimes as a child of God, it might not be exactly what you would want to have, but praise the Lord, he is worthy that he feeds the hungry. Not only does he help the helpless, but he feeds the hungry. Look at verse number 7. Watch this. What does he do? He frees the hostage. Watch this. Which executeth judgment for the oppressed. I think about this, and I know, and I want you to pray. Pray for Brother Lou, and pray for these RU workers. But I believe that the RU ministry, if there ever was a time that it was needed in our church and our society, it's right now. We've got young people that are hooked on marijuana and drugs. They don't know it, but they're oppressed, and Satan pulls their chain, and Satan can get them to do whatever he wants them to do. They're oppressed. But aren't you glad that we have a Savior that frees the oppressed? Every Sunday here, one or two or three of our ushers that usher at one time were oppressed by Satan by drugs or alcohol, and God has freed them, and now they're involved with His service. He frees the oppressed. He feeds the hungry. He helps the helpless. He frees the hostage. He frees the hostage. He is, say it with me, number four. Look at verse number eight. He gives light to blinded eyes. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. Now stop with me for a second. In, in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about the condition of this world. The eyes of the lost are blinded. They can't understand, but they need a Savior. And then Paul says this, unless the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. Blinded eyes. I watched this and I followed the news on an iPad. And I don't remember where this was. I watched a young man that was obviously on drugs and stole a car. And it goes on a high-speed chase. 
and this policeman is after him, and that car leaves the road and it goes down a dirt road, and then the inevitable happens, that young man wrecks, and that car is sitting there and it's smoking, and, and though it's, it's almost a total car, and that policeman gets out with his revolver and approaches that car. Don't move, don't move, don't move, don't move. Wouldn't you? Now, let me say something to you. I know this is a society that says if a policeman tells you not to move, you just stand up. That is dumb, stupid. Policeman tells you don't move, don't move. Especially if he's got a gun in his hand. Duh. This pastor said, don't, I mean this pastor. This policeman said, don't move, don't move. My dad taught me, even if that officer is wrong, you do what that officer tells you to do. We'll straighten it out later. This young man, high on drugs, kicked one of those windows out, jumped on top of the car, and with a policeman with a drawn weapon, jumped on the policeman. You and I would look at that and say, why would you do that? Let me tell you why you do that. God, Satan blinded the eyes of these young men and they're strung out and they don't understand. They're ruining their life. Can I say this to you? The Savior that came to this world wants to open those blinded eyes. I want you to pray for Sean and Wendy. Sean and Wendy went to a church in Brother George outside Tucson. It's actually in Tempe or Phoenix or something. Said, brother, got out of that church, and Wendy said, Pastor, have you ever heard of this pastor before? He's all over the Internet. I said, never heard of him. Got a big church, independent Baptist. I said, really, I'll look at him. Went home and studied that, and that man shouldn't be in a pulpit. I don't even know if he's a Christian. From that pulpit, they interviewed him. They, because he's got a big church, they interviewed him, and they said, what do you think as a Christian Ought to happen to gays and lesbians. He said, shoot them. I thought to myself, there's some of those young people that are trapped in that that God wants to save. We don't shoot the enemies of Christ. We love them and show them how there's a Savior that came to earth and died for them. I told Brother Miss Perkins, I said, don't you ever go back to that church. Don't you ever. He said, oh, preacher, we found out. The message that comes from this pulpit, the message, Brother Lou, that has to come from the NRU classes, the message that comes from Sunday school, the message of this church must be in our lives is this. There is a Savior who died on Calvary's cross, and even if your eyes are blinded, He wants to open those blinded eyes, and He wants to draw you to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our message. He opens the blinded eyes. The poor soul trapped in sin is blind to the things of God. He is held a prisoner in darkness by Satan, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 tells us. But Jesus came to open blinded eyes. Number five, look back in our psalm if you would. He lifts the broken. He is? He's worthy. He lifts the broken. We've got some broken people in the room this morning. We all do this, don't we? We all put a smile on our face. See, I'm doing good. See me? We've got some broken people here. Every once in a while, this is the joys of pastoring. But every once in a while, all you, it seems like all you do for that solid week is just catch tears. Just catch tears. Just catch tears. Aren't you glad that he lifts the broken? Look at verse number 8 if you would. Lord, open the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. 
that person is discouraged and depressed. I don't want to get around people. I don't want to be around. I don't want to talk about what's going on in my life. I just, I just want to run. I just want to go somewhere. Aren't you glad that there's a God that listens and can open blinded eyes, but he also can help the broken and the burdened? Then number eight, it says also he loves the believer. I asked you this this morning. Are you saved on your way to heaven? If you are, you have a special, special place in the heart of our Savior. He loves the believer. God has a special place in his heart for those who are in a right relationship with him. He tells us that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Does he say that in Romans 8? Paul went and shall distress and persecution and famine and peril and sword and life and death. And he sums it up and he said, through all of these were more than what? Conquered to them who are in Christ Jesus. And he said, nothing shall separate me from the love which is in Christ Jesus. If you're saved and on your way to heaven, you're a pretty special person. God loves you. Lastly, he safeguards the strangers. Look in your Bible, 1 Peter chapter number 1 Peter chapter number 2, he safeguards the strangers. There are those in our society that society would take advantage of. 1 Peter chapter number 2, if you're following the news locally, have you followed at least on channel 5? There was a man who, I don't know, I think he was loosely associated with the police force here, claimed to be a contractor. In fact, he wasn't a contractor at all. And he started some of these jobs mainly for elderly people or widow people. He took their money. He started the job and never finished it. You know, people like that in our society. But Jesus safeguards the stranger. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 11. Look at this, if you would, please. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. He's addressing Christian people. Abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Eve, the psalmist even praises the Lord because he watches out for those of us that in this world we're kind of strangers. I ask you this, now think about this. As a Christian in America, are we strangers? Mm -hmm. This is a year ago. I don't know how many of them there are now. Public schools built over 120 rooms just where the Muslims could meet and pray. Where's the Christian rooms? Hmm? I tell you this, the attack on our nation right now is deep and dark. So things that are coming in our nation, now watch it, this is Spiritual Warfare 101. It's not Democrat against Republican, Republican against Independent or Libertarian. This is Satan trying to destroy a nation. And the target is on the back of God's people. We're strangers in this land. And so the Lord told us that we would be. Not all this, look at this in, in Psalm 146. He supports the sufferers. In verse number 9, we read that the most disadvantaged members in society were the focus of God's watch and care and protection. Does the Lord care how we care for widows? Whoa. The fatherless? What did he tell us about offending one of these little children? It's better than a what? 
a millstone be placed on your neck and you're cast into a sea. God has his eyes on those little boys and little girls. God has his eyes on some of these kids that every Sunday get on a bus and mama's not there, daddy's not there. God has his eyes on some of these young people. They're precious to him. Our widows are precious to him. And God has his eyes on them. And God is honored to take care of them. He supports the sufferers in verse number 9. Lastly, look at verse number 10 and we'll close together. The Lord shall reign forever and ever, even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. The glory of God, he will forever be with God. And David's given praise. One day I'm going to be taken out of this sorrow, this suffering. One day that discouraged spirit that I have, that despondent spirit, will forever and ever be, he'll wipe away all of our tears, won't he? Forever and ever we'll be in the presence of his glory. I ask you this this morning. I'm going to mention these, and I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to remind each of us this week. I'm going to say it, and then if you'll respond, if you feel that way, is worthy. He fights for the helpless. He feeds the hungry. He frees the hostage. He opens blinded eyes. He lifts the broken. He loves the believer. He safeguards the strangers. He supports the sufferers. And the glory that we'll share with him one day for all of eternity, he removes all of that. Can I say this? I know you're, I'm not trying to make light of your suffering. I'm not trying to make light. We've got some people in here that have some huge burdens. But can we for just a moment, for a while this morning, just look to heaven and one of these, two of these, three of these will, will hit you right where you're at and say he is worthy. So sometime today, if you've not already done so, throughout this week, praise him. Why? Because he is worthy. Stand please, Father, we love you. You are worthy to be praised. Your son, our savior, Jesus Christ is worthy to be praised. Father, I pray that you would help us to forget about our troubles and our sorrows and our sufferings. And, and Father, for just a moment, just to praise you for your goodness to us. The truth of the matter is that you keep every promise you've ever made to us. The truth of the matter is you've promised to feed us and to clothe us. The truth of the matter is you have promised to save us if we'll turn to you. The truth of the matter is you do open blinded eyes and those that are lost in, in, in Satan's darkness, you open their eyes and they come to know you as Lord and Savior. And in this we, we rejoice. Father, we, with one heart and one prayer this morning, we look to heaven and we acknowledge that you are worthy. Speak to our hearts. Maybe there's someone here this morning that does not know Christ as Savior and their eyes are blinded to sin and the world. God, I pray this morning you'd help them to see the Lord Jesus Christ came to save them. Open those blinded eyes. For the child of God that's going through a difficult time, would you help them to understand you've made some promises to us.